0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode of Fan Feelings. So, rival fans think they know, rival fans think they're the experts. We talk to the actual fans that matter. And we're talking to a club fan that has got a lot to smile about. Everything seems good at Aston Villa at the moment. The whole end are passionate. Ollie Watkins is banging them in. Esri Kontz is in the England squad. Emery's working his magic and Monchi is pulling the strings in the background. So I'm delighted to say, to see if all that is true or we've got anything wrong with us tonight, is James from the AVFC Faithful podcast. James, how are we?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, everything's uh, positive around the villa at the moment. So I'm looking forward to, ch- to chatting to you about it all.
1: Yeah, absolutely, which isn't the same for every club. So you've got to enjoy it while you've got it. And as normal, ladies and gents, we will go through everything. We'll we'll sort of cross-examine James if we're right about on the pitch, off the pitch, how he sees things, and what realistically are Villa's aims for this season as well. I mean, starting off, James, sort of, we always ask about the general sort of feeling for the supporters of the club because there's always positives. There's always things we, we want better supporters. That's natural. But be honest with us if we've got this right. We look at Villa right now and we think, Dear God, they're only a couple of points off the top of the league. Yes, they're fifth, but they're literally a couple of points off top. The ownership seems very stable. You don't really hear too much out of them. Monchi's now in place. You know everything seems to be settling that way. Emery feels like he's finally getting his his plaudits and his flowers. I mean, a carriage had literally called him in the third best manager in the league the other night on on the Sky Sports and. The players are getting, you know, the the credit as well, the Ollie Watkins, et cetera, of this world. In terms of the general vibe around Villa fans at the moment, is it just positivity galore?
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, look back to last week when we lost to Forrest. It was almost a strange feeling, losing, because, you know, yeah. we we're on such a good, such a good run, um, especially at home, obviously. I think everyone knows how good our home record is, slightly, yeah. you know, in terms of away performances. But, you know... Overall, as you say, with two points off top and sitting sitting fifth as it comes up to the last international break of the year. And I, I can't think of anything really to moan about because I, I also think that we've not been playing even at our best most of the season. I think when it comes to the, the, the games against like West Ham and, and Brighton, they're probably our best performances. Um, obviously, we've had a couple of shaky ones in there, but they were against mm. teams where when you go to their place, they, they can dismantle you if you're not at the top of your game. So... Yeah, it, it's been a really good start to the season. I think it could get even better as well.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, li- literally, it's, as you look at it now as a Villa fan, is the it shouldn't say the whole lane, maybe that's wrong. But a Champions League spot feels well within your grasp, doesn't it? That's what Villa fans are looking at, surely. Is that right?
0: Yeah, well, especially because it, obviously it's potentially top five this season, depending on the, the coefficient yeah. and all that. I think, you know, that opens up another avenue getting in. Um, it's interesting having European football this year as it is, trying to juggle that at the same time as being in the league um, and trying to go strong in that as well. And I think we've started to slowly juggle that well now. And we've got players that are close to returning to the squad as well. So our options are getting better in that sense as well. So yeah, I think. We, we might as well might as well dream because, you know, at the moment, if we can keep this form up and keep performances going, I, I can't see any reason why we can't do similar to what Newcastle did last year. So, yeah, it's looking positive in that sense.
1: And it's, yeah, understandable. I mean, that, that record over the sort of calendar year as well for you guys, it has literally been sensational. There's been a lot of recognition for that. I mean, we talk about on the pitch, and I think you said it, especially at home, it looks like Villa are flying. They could literally put any team to the sword almost at, at home. And you look at like the players that have come in, who say Watkins, not just in the England squad, but having an impact from England from the outside as well. Cons has got himself in there. It feels like, again, this is from the outside. Douglas Luiz almost seems to have got a level or gone up a level. Diaby's come in, had an impact. Pau Torres has come in and had an impact. I mean, I know I'm almost doing the job for you a little bit here, but the other side is you, the again. And you can challenge us on this if it's lazy punditry, but you kind of mentioned it the the away form, the bit like the forest, the Liverpool game, the Newcastle that type of thing. And there is maybe that challenge of Europe, the Thursday Sunday that bit to navigate. I suppose th- there was almost a there would have been expectations for for of fans at the start of the season. How are the team genuinely performing against Villa fans' expectation? Because people on the outside will always look in and have opinions. But based on what you guys specifically expected, how would you say you're performing at the moment?
0: I think given the context, and I'd probably add to just after the Newcastle game when you've just lost 5-1 in the week where you've lost lost someone that plays regularly in Emi Buendia to an yeah. injury, and then you lose Tyrone Mings in that game as well. Great. I think at that point we're all thinking thinking, you know, how much is this going to affect their season? As well as, you, on top of that, we, we've been wanting to try and dominate games a little bit more this season. Some games have not not looked to do that. So, so, like the Brighton game, we we didn't mind stepping off them a bit because that was the way to get at them. But in general, we we're looking to try and commit further forward, be a little bit more expansive. And, yeah, I think given all of that, I think personally I'd say we're ahead of where I thought we might be at this point. I thought... If you'd have said to me, you know, at the, at the last international break, it would be fifth, two points off top. Um, I'd have said that's ahead of schedule. I'd, I'd have thought maybe top eight um, and, and going quite strong in the Conference League, which we are now after the uh, a poor opening week, obviously against uh, Legia Warsaw. Mm-hmm. I think personally that was a, a bit of an, an occasion that got to us because away at those sort of grounds, when you haven't been playing European football for so long, it can it can you know you can slip up. So yeah. I think yeah, in, in general, I think we're ahead of where we are, but I think. Maybe that's raised these standards quite high now because, as I say, losing to Forest last week, even though they've got a good home record themselves, they took took some big scalps last season. Um, yeah, I think we, we thought that's a game that we should be winning if we're looking to, you know, keep challenging. But we weren't that bad either in, in that game. We created chances, we were just sloppy at the back and we didn't put our chances away. which, you know, in football, if that's what you do, you're, you're going to get punished, especially at this level. So, but in general, yeah, I think. Personally, I think we're ahead of where I thought we would be at this point and I'm hoping that carries on because the fixture pile up coming around Christmas time as well and the, the the fixtures we've got after this break, we've got Spurs away, we've got City and Arsenal at home in the same week. That's going to be
1: a really good barometer of, of what, yeah. how, far we, how far we've got to go. Yeah, yeah, some tough fixtures, but essentially against Champions League qualification rivals, it seems at the moment as well. So it will, like you say, probably the right phrase—a good barometer. I mean, the thing about Villa players when we look out from the outside as well. I mean, that there's so many have been sort of shining, and probably the one thing I'd say about Villa players, as our listeners and subscribers say, they're the people that tend to be creeping into their fantasy team as well as you know it, it improves and gets better each week from an outsider. Looking in, who would you say for you know for Villa fans have really been your sort of standouts? And we always ask this as well, James. Has there been any kind of maybe letdowns? Is a bit harsh, but people who aren't quite hitting the mark or maybe expectations at this stage at all.
0: Uh, starting with the standouts, I think you look at the whole spine of the team. Em um, Martinez, obviously, recently voted you know number one keeper in the world. Yeah, and then we've got Esri Conter that, as you say, he's just been called up to England thanks to. Injuries, but he's been deserving of that place for quite a while, really. He's sort of unlucky that obviously they've got people he trusts and there is a couple of good defenders ahead of him as well. Um, but then you've got Douglas Deweese and Bubba Garkamara that make up a really good pairing, especially Douglas Deweese, who's been given like an extra role of responsibility in an attacking sense now. And he's really yeah. coming into his own in that sense. So then you've got Watkins and Diaby uh, up top that are just sort of clicked straight away. So it's really hard to pinpoint like most important, but I think Watkins, obviously, adds so much of the team. Douglas Louise and Esri Conte, for me, they're the three staples of this team at the moment. I think that they are key to what we're doing. Um, but in terms of sort of maybe not pulling the weight as much, it feels harsh because I'm a really big fan of him, but I think Zaniolo's got a lot more in his locker to, to offer in, in, a, in, in delivering those numbers sort of way because I think he's got a real quality on the ball. Um, I just think he's got that... He's going to get that monkey off his back, whether it's an assist or a goal, and I think they'll start for yeah. but Yeah, he's probably been the the only person that people aren't quite sure on yet because um, Leon Bailey, who's been sort of like uh, the, the sort of figure of criticism over the past two seasons because he's, he's inconsistent, he can show up in moments and especially at home up until this, this season. He, that was when he performed, but now he's really making an impact on games, whether it's off the bench, whether it's away from home or not. I think he deserves a special shout out to how he's who he's delivering on what Emery would like from those sort of players now, and he looks fitter, he looks more disciplined, and he's got conviction in his play. And I think that extra avenue, especially being a wide man uh, when we play quite congested at times, I think that's so key to us. So that those would be like I know there's a bunch that I gave you there, but the sort of key players to us.
1: See, so, yeah, and you, I mean you mentioned the the main man there because he does again from the outside seems to be getting so much out of people like Douglas Luiz and, and you'll you'll probably correct me in this. I can't remember, but I think he broke a home record, didn't he, for Villa or equaled a home record for goals scored. So he seems to have gone up a level. Watkins is the obvious one that's gone up a level. He's I mean he's changed that style a bit. There's how Torres seems comfortable on the ball. So everything seems to be clicking. I mean, when you look at the before obviously what's happened in recent times with, with Villa and where he's taken them from. There was that almost thinking around Unai Emery with, let's be honest, a little bit mocked to Arsenal, you know, for the pronunciation and all that. But his CV, what he's doing so far at, at Villa, it, was it just that he's just been completely unfairly judged from those previous standards? And are you thinking, this is our man, this is our guy type of thing?
0: Yeah, it's it's really hard to comment, really. I think, I suppose, as you say, when you're not the fan of a club, you, you don't really know the ins and outs of of the weekly things to go on in that sort of club. So looking from the outside, and I always thought maybe it's a bit unfair because he was the man following the man. If you know what I mean, it's the same yeah. with sort of David Moyes following Fergie. it It's such a hard job to take, really, and they're in a a transition process. And I think some of the things that he Maybe wanted to do, and 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 Kronke didn't really fancy going the same direction. Whereas now, I think there's a there's sort of like a a renewed belief in in the Arsenal owners owners of what they can achieve, and that the fund artists needs, you know, really adequately now. So maybe that you know right manager at the wrong time. Maybe it's it's hard to say, isn't it? Football changes so often, and, and yeah. different remits and and everything like that. So yeah, it, it's quite crazy when I think about it now, and you. You look at Emery's body of work that is at Villa, and you know I, I always do say Villa is a big club, as I would, and I don't think it's really a. a I think it's a bit of a pointless debate about who, what club speaker, and everything. But to think that he's with us after you know the the past decade of what we've been through, I feel like we're really lucky to have him, and, and I don't think people understand outside of the club how much of a connection there is between him and the fans because. He puts us first, you know. Every interview and that he does, he's always it's always about the fans, and he just seems like a really respectable person. So, yeah, you, you know, I don't, I, I wouldn't stop him for anyone. And I'm not saying that that means he's better than every coach in the world, but with with what we've been through with him already, and and how he treats us, I think he's he's just the man
1: for the job. Yeah, it, it does seem love. Like, say, it all seems to be clicking, and it is one I wanted, sort of. Link it together because off the pitch, it seems like Emory's still almost a big part of that whole connection. Because we look from the outside and we'll see that Monchi's now in place, he's doing his things. The connection, you know, they from their sort of severe days there. The owners, maybe, and this is a good thing, I suppose, James, we don't really hear too much from the owners, which, as we know, in certain clubs doesn't hurt at all. And. I think it's Perslow, Perslo, Christian Perslow, isn't it? Sort of in a, a senior executive role. So everything seems quite well interconnected. Everything seems to be working together. So sort of pulling those apart one by one, Monchi, because it was an interesting the way that happened. And you can probably sort of educate us on this a bit because I think there was the the Barca guy, wasn't there, Carlos Elena came and then wasn't and then was hokey-cokeyed and it's essentially ended up with Monty there in charge of the football side off the pitch but I mean his signing so far and everything that we hear it, that's all good for Villa fans isn't it surely? Yeah
0: it is I mean yeah as you say we had quite a bit of a, an overturn really since um, Emery's come in I think he's he's got the men that he needs around him and it's sort of what you see quite often at top clubs when they know they've got the right man that they build around him and that he builds the infrastructure in a sense. And he's brought in everyone that he needs. We've had so many people that have joined us that I forgot half of them already. But, that yeah. you know, the main people, you, you've got Manchi that's in, in charge of, I think, uh, football operations, president of football operations, I think his, his title is. And then um, uh, Emery's right-hand man that does everything with him pretty much his Damian Vidagane. He's almost like a, an assistant to him. And I think that's something that's really helped him as well because, Obviously at Arsenal, he, he was mocked quite a bit for the language barrier as well. But he has Vidigani sort of to help him through these interviews and everything just to sit next to him. And I think it gives him a sort of a comfort around it. But I mean, his, his English has improved a lot even since then yeah. anyway. So, and you know, it's nothing that anyone should be mocked about as it is when you're not speaking native language. It, yeah, it's just that the overturn's been quite big. And then we've recently had more people leave. Um, you know, Han Lang, he was sort of moved to the side since uh, Munchie came in. He's joined Spurs. Uh, Rob McKenzie, one of our head scopes, I think he was head of recruitment, he's left and I think he's joined Spurs as well. So I think we weren't, obviously we're not too worried about those going because we're putting this infrastructure in place that helps Emery with what he needs. And as you say, we had what seems like a really solid summer. And I don't think that's really the depth of Munchie's work yet either. He's He's... Scouting because when he joined, I did quite a bit of research on him, and his scouting lasts months and months, as you'd expect. He does from mm-hmm. I think from January till about March. He, he scouts and whittles down to what he needs. So I think when he came in this summer, I think the sort of known they went to known entities to them, um, just sort of like safe bets. But you know that the quality. So Rez, obviously yeah. he's worked with before, but he's top quality, and he's shown that since he's come in. Musa DiRB I always thought he'd go to a club above us, I'm not going to lie, he, he's got such quality. Um, again, Zaniolo is someone that they've worked with before and we've seen what potential he's got. So I think that's sort of the approach we took this summer and then coming up to next summer, it'll be interesting to see what we do and how much his and recruitment works then. So yeah, off the field as well, it feels like we've got a really strong structure
1: to, to, uh, to use. Definitely, I mean... It is early doors, but I think, and if I'm right, Diaby was around sort of forty three, forty five million, 45 million, somewhere around that mark, which in Premier League attacker terms is, it's not saying it's nothing, but it's not big bucks by any means, isn't it? So yeah, there's a lot, lot to be excited about. And I suppose it, it does link naturally that as every fan's aware, there's a transfer window not too far away as well as a busy Christmas period. I mean, naturally Monchi's had, not had long, I should say, and Villa are going well, January is coming up. What are the hopes for Villa fans for January? Is there any sort of particular positions or is it even a case of, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, don't lose any of our big boys because the the other clubs in the Premier League might be circling for a few? Um, I
0: think this is the least their fan base has ever worried about losing a player. Um, and I, that's not to say that players don't want to leave or or won't leave because, you know, if if a top club comes in, you know, your cities, your arsenals, even abroad, whether it's Bayern, Real Madrid, let's just say, it's really hard to compete with those. But our owners are strong enough, rich enough to not really worry about the money side of it. And they really want to build towards something. So letting your best players go at this time would really harm you. And I think it is more leaning towards, you know, aiding those players, bringing players in we all know how tough January is. Um, We did spend quite a decent amount in the summer as well. I think we did sell three of our top youth prospects in the summer to sort of equal out on the, on the balance sheet. And I think we made 40 million back from them who hadn't made a, I don't don't even, I think one of them had made a senior appearance for us in the league before. So, you know, it was a good return on, on those. So yeah, it, it will be interesting in January. I think there's areas in terms of where we might want to recruit right back potentially. We've used Conter there. Obviously, Matty Cash is, is mainly the one that plays there, but yeah, in in some games I don't think he has the right quality to to help us. In some games he does. It's maybe we need a little bit more variation more than anything. Um, central midfield maybe as well because uh, the drop off from Louise and Kamara to Dendonka, say, is quite big in terms of quality on the ball and athleticism as well. So maybe that's somewhere we'd look to to explore. And then the big one I think that Villa fans always think, think about is the striker department because we have got yeah. what the RB but playing with a two, you obviously want the, the alternative. We, we do have John Durant, but He's a young, young lad. He's still got a lot to learn. Um, he's really raw, but he, he does look exciting. He's, had, he's already scored three or four goals this season. So, you sort of want to compliment the the front two that are there, but you don't want to hurt the dynamic either, because when we had Danny Ings here, it was after he left that Watkins sort of felt that responsibility, and he went on a great scoring run, and he he was was unplayable at times last season, and he has been at times this season as well. So, there's so much towards that recruitment side of getting it right, whether it's just that getting the right player or getting the right person in general to, to complement your squad. It's so hard. And I I wouldn't really lose my head if we couldn't do too much in January because, you know, we've got a strong squad. As I say, we've got Jacob Ramsey coming back after the break. We've got Moreno that's, that's training again and she'll be able to play a part after the break. So those, those two themselves are going to make a big difference. So it, as I say, it's, it's so hard to navigate that January market. Well, that, I wouldn't lose my head too much and before the season started my aims were just to get top seven again if we could sustaining that European qualification and going far in in one of the cups especially the European cup that you know, really we, we should go far with the the quality we've got the money we have spent the manager we've got etc so yeah I think come January if we're still in this position I'd imagine that the owners and, and Emery might feel a bit twitchy to to get some extra bodies extra quality in but We'll we'll see. I think we'd be okay anyway.
1: Yeah, and a chance for, for Monchi to, to work his magic if he can do it as well, definitely. I mean, the the player I have no you, you have no doubts is going to ask you about this. The one that is grabbing the headlines at the moment, Ollie Watkins. I mean, if you look back to last season, the again from the outside looking in, such a hard working forward, like you say, ran the lines, almost a Alternate, I'd say, like you mentioned with Danny Ings, but it just seems this season, it's a completely upper level, like from the outside, again, you can tell us if this this is wrong, but what do you kind of attribute to that sort of leap? Because it did look like he was missing quite a lot of chances this year, where it seems, sorry, last year, everything this year seems to be going in. It just seems almost a sea change that way.
0: Yeah, it the difference because we, we we sort of play a different way this season. Last season, the front two would sort of split, and you'd have one that that drops in and and all or, or goes wide, and it's sort of Watkins to sort of run in between the posts, as you might say. But with D R B there now, they're both really central, uh, and a, a nice term that uh, one of the athletic writers used was they're like an elastic band. One goes back, the one goes forward, and they alternate and they're just they switch and I think that really helps him because. With home playing, we try and make those mini transitions in the middle of the park and we, we run into the space. That's Ollie Watkins' bread and butter. You know, you, you put him on the shoulder, he'll run in behind all day long, and mm-hmm. more often than not, he's got the quality to score. And it's quite funny, really, actually, because I think there's parts of the fan base still that aren't quite sure he's the player to take us further. But, but I don't think, wow. I think, some yeah, I think some people don't realise how hard it is to to get a striker that's as good as Ollie, let alone better um, in this league, you know, you've got your Harlins uh, and that might be about it that's the elite level, uh, striker-wise in in the Premier League. I mean, Arsenal play with a variety of different forwards, obviously, and, you know, they're not doing badly themselves. If Oli Watkins carries on this season in this form, he'd roughly finish on about 18 goals, which is not a bad return at all. So, and, And it's not just that, it's what he has to the team in general. I mean, he's got, I think, Five assists in the league already this season as well. So, True. you know, it, it, he's a lot more than just the goals. Uh, he's such a key to air attack. Um, if he was missing, we would have a little bit of a drop off. So, yeah, he's he just he's a star, and I, I'm glad that I've been backing him since he since he joined us. So, I hope he carries on reaching new levels because I think he's got it in him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Did, did, to say the the stats are bearing that out, and. The other stats that I'm sure you've seen as well, because people love talking about Premier League players in terms of pairing. People look at Harland and um, Alvarez, don't they, at City? People are talking about the pairing of Salah and Nunes at Liverpool, and the two that obviously does that link up, or it seems like that does that link up at Villa is Oli Watkins and Musa Diaby. is Is that fair to say? Does it seem like they are? Are they your sort of shining attacking too? they They're the ones with the connection at the club. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, definitely. They've just got perfect chemistry. Ever since DRB's joined us, they've just sort of clicked straight away. Um, every game, there's a, at least one one or two link-ups where they, they're getting behind or they, they work a bit of space or they even operate really well in tight space. It doesn't matter. They, they've just got this sort of connection where they know where the other will be. And they both could have probably scored more through, through the partnership themselves. So <laughs> the recruitment in that sense has really aided both players, I think. When Diaby came in, I, I was thinking he'd be playing out on the right, but everyone's yeah. profiled him a little bit differently, and he's playing him central. And I think that's been a really big part of some of our success this season because that sort of pace, directness, and and quality centrally against those most of the time two centre backs, we just caused so so much havoc. So yeah, those two are key to what we do.
1: Yeah, they have do look like they've been sensational for you this season. I suppose the the final one I want to ask you, because like you said, it, do, it sounds crazy to me when I said some fans are a bit unsure around Ollie Watkins, especially with what he's doing. How do you think kind of the whole end sees it in regards of with where you guys are now, are they wanting to see you like, let's go big in January, let's go hard. We can, you know we can really break into this top four, like you say, even the top five with the coefficient really you know solidify and become a, a Champions League club. Or is it a case of listen, we're just flying, if everything stays the same. How do you think the general sort of the match-goers see it at the moment?
0: I think it's quite mixed, really. It It is a bit subjective on what people would rather. I think there's quite a patient portion of the fan base. There's also quite a rushed portion of the fan base. And I understand both points because, you know, we're in such a good position that you might not be in such a good position again to get into that top four or five. But at the same time, we're really building something well and I don't think there's going to be a significant drop off so I'm not too bothered if we build slowly towards it but yeah it it will be interesting to see what we do do but I I think at the moment everyone's so focused you know um, each game week to each game week that we're not really too busy thinking about January at the moment because of how well we seem to be doing it doesn't feel like we're so desperate for something at the moment maybe if we have a a sticky patch you know over the next month or so with the the tough fixtures, maybe that'll shine a light on where some of the weaknesses are, and we might think, you know, that's where we can upgrade, where where we might bring players in. But yeah, at the moment, it's not really a, a hot topic yet. I think come December, obviously the the window is only a month away, then it's it changes, and you, you also start to get the rumours swirling as well. Yeah, so that will be interesting then. But but yeah, I think everyone's just so wrapped up in in general in the performances, the results, the where we're sitting in the table, it's it's not really been too much of a topic of conversation at the moment. So, I'm sure that'll be really interesting reading over the next couple of months about what people think we need and and what we do actually bring in then.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you said, especially as it hits that sort of fever pitch time, and it all goes a bit crazy as we get towards the Christmas period. And I suppose I kind of like I said one more question, but this is the final one. I promise that that we've got for you on this one, James. And, we always ask this one at the end. It's so important in, on fan feelings. As we said, there's always preconceptions from the outside, which if you're a match-going fan, a regular follower of your club, you always know and you think, that's absolute nonsense. Or why do people say that? That's just not true. So what we always ask is, what would you say from the outside is the biggest kind of myth or people quote about Aston Villa, You know, especially at the moment that you hear and you think, Why do they say that? That's just not true. If there even is anything that people get wrong at all at the moment, would you say?
0: I think the first thing that that sprung into my mind is a hot topic around our high line, to be honest. Um, We do play a really high line, pretty much on the halfway line. And I think a lot of people say that we get found out because of it. Against Newcastle, it was was quite true. But we lost all defensive composure in that game and especially losing Mings. I, I don't think there was one straight line in that game after that. It was just a bit of a mess against liverpool we were exploited but they've got such quality when you've when you've got trent alexander-arnold on the pitch if you don't press him he's going to pick a pass and that was our mistake that day not not the line it wasn't the right pressing but in general i don't think people realize how good our high line is we get it so right i think i was looking at stats earlier we've got either 15 or 20 more offsides this season than any other team we catch teams off that often and yeah it does sort of at times make you feel a bit Worried because you, you see a team running in behind, but then pretty much ninety percent of the time the flag goes up, and it's just it, it's just common now that we're used to it and we trust it. So I think when people say we should be worried about it, I don't I don't feel worried about it as much anymore. No 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 chance. It's just drilled into them so well that they're so organised of it that it catches teams off way more often than it doesn't. And, and I think that's something that's constantly hit at us at the moment is that the
1: worry in Highline, which. We're not worried about it, I'll I'll be honest with you. (laughs) Which is fair. And do you know what? You're so right, because especially like City play with a high line, Liverpool play with a high line, those teams that control possession and attack, which is what Emery and Villa are, are trying to do. And neck on the line, I know it's early doors. I know there's a long time of the season to go. If you did have to predict, James, where would you put Aston Villa finishing in the league this season?
0: I would personally say 6th, and that's a place higher than what I said at the start of the season. So that's progress. Um, 6th, and I'd like to say winning the Conference League. So I've got my fingers crossed for that.
1: 6th, and a, a trophy would be massive for Villa fans at the same time, wouldn't it? So, yeah, I can well imagine, fingers crossed, more villains that are listing that. So all it really leaves me to say on fans feeling is, James, thanks very much for your time and your insights, mate. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Good stuff. And, ladies and gents, that was another Fans Feeling for EPL Index. Sports Social Podcast Network.